Good morning. Good morning. Hallelujah. It's always exciting coming together and coming together to hear the word of the Lord. So I'm going to pray and then we will listen to what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear from Acts chapter 9. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you saved Paul, Saul, through our Lord Jesus Christ when he appeared to him. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have inherited from his call and commission all that, Lord, you did on that faithful day. Also, that, Lord, as we look at it today here in Accra, 21st century, we pray that God the Holy Spirit will let us hear what you want us to hear, at least for now. And change us, not only those of us who are here, but those of them who would be online hearing your word preached. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, there are times when we have ruled out some people from, from being saved. Now, when we were in school, uh, we, we used to have all these hardcore guys. I remember um, <laughs> some of my friends, their the nicknames aren't that fun. You know, depending on where you went to school, if you went to, let's say, Wesley Girls or Chimota or maybe let's favor you today by including Akraka, the nicknames are even different. And then when you went to Njasko, the nicknames are also different. So you think of guys like Kwajas. Kwajas is a nickname. <laughs> so you look at them like Concord and um, Tonto and all these guys. And you say to yourself in your heart, for these ones, they are beyond the reach of Jesus. Now you believe Jesus can save them. And later after school, let's say 10 years after school, when you hear that they are, for example, pastors, you say, hey, this person is a pastor. You just can't believe. Now, what that says is that there is something in my heart that tells me that some people, it's easier to save and others, it is difficult to save them. Or they might actually not be saved. Now, Acts chapter 9, even though we call it the conversion of Saul, how Saul came to know the Lord. It is not primarily about Saul. It is primarily about Jesus. You know, Saul, after his conversion, will now be referred to as Paul. Acts 9 is about his conversion, but primarily it is more than that. It is about Jesus who saves. You remember what happened at the beginning of Acts, right? Or let's say that um, even the, the very um, chapter 1, verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he, had he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after 
his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So the first thing that I want us to note is that Luke is saying, in my first volume, which is the Gospel of Luke, I was telling you about the work of Jesus. I'm continuing that in the second volume. What Jesus had begun to do. Now I want us to note a few things, and let's keep it straightforward. The first thing is this. Jesus is able to save even Saul. Now why is that, why is that amazing? Why is it wonderful that Jesus is able to save even Saul? And now let, let, let's get back into Acts, and we'll know why this is surprising. Chapter 7 and verse 58. You know, when Stephen was killed, the, verse 58, we are told, the men who were casting stones, who were stoning Stephen for preaching the gospel to them, then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So while they were stoning, right from a very young age, Saul was there fully taking part in the killing of a Christian who had done the wrong of preaching the gospel. He was there. Now look at chapter 8 and verse 1. Please look at it. And Saul approved of Stephen's execution. He wasn't innocent. He approved of Stephen's execution. Chapter 8 and verse 3. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. This is the Saul we are talking about. He hated Jesus and hated the church. He was okay if you talked about God the God of Israel. But as soon as you began to talk about Jesus, something welled up in him. And so he hated Jesus and he was ravaging, destroying the church. At least he sought to destroy the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at chapter 9 and verse 1. But Saul, still breathing, can you imagine? He was breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. And then he had gone to the high priest and said, I volunteer. Give me a letter of authority. I will go to Damascus and everyone who is committed to, they didn't call them Christians at this point. They called them committed to the way. I will just drag them and, and, and so that we can imprison these people. Now, when you watch movies, particularly cartoon movies, you see dragons. Uh, how many of you have seen Shrek? You've seen, yeah, a number of you have seen Shrek. The dragon, the dragon who was breathing fire. Saul was like that. He was breathing fire to destroy the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So get this person, get a picture of this person. And now we are told that this enemy of Jesus, this enemy of the church, even this enemy of the church, Jesus is able to save. 
so that he no longer becomes or stays as an enemy of the church. He becomes God's man. He becomes Jesus' man, Jesus' servant. And it is Jesus who takes this initiative to do it. Look at verse 4 to 6, chapter 9. Now, Saul was traveling on this road to Damascus. He has an agenda. He had never met Jesus. He's never negotiated with them that, with him that on the way to Damascus, would you please appear and let's have a drama in the middle of the road? No. He was going and something happened. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and saw the city. And suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Remember this voice is not the voice of crying for help. Why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this to me? Now, it was more of authority. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But I've not been persecuting you. I've been persecuting the church. But the Lord identifies himself with his church. If you persecute the church, you persecute him. Anyway, that is by the way. But the Lord speaks. The, the light appears. The Lord speaks. And he said, Saul responds, Who are you, Lord? How did he know this? The voice, I suppose, carries such authority and all the lightning and all that he saw. Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. <laughs> Just listen. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what to do. Just like that. This is the Jesus Saul hated. And this is the same Jesus who appears lovingly to him as no invitation even of Saul. He appears to save him so that Saul can now refer to him as Lord. Jesus is able to save even this guy. Now there are times, I don't know whether, uh, I'm sure you're like me in many ways because we are all human. You have prayed and prayed and prayed for people. And not only do they not become saved or come to Jesus, it appears to get worse. And somehow in our hearts, we get discouraged, but the discouragement in rooted, is rooted in the fact that we do not really believe that the risen Lord Jesus is able to arrest this person and turn their hearts around. Now, you know in a minute, you see in a minute that he, Luke is not giving us a prescription. This is how becoming a Christian ought to look like. That's not what he is about. I said that his focus is to turn our attention on Jesus. Jesus is able to save those who are his hardest enemies. Ephesians puts it, those who are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead people cannot do anything. We were, um, for those of you who attended our brother Eric's mom's funeral, thank you for coming along. But you saw what happened. The casket was there, and there was a corpse in it. And that person, in fact, there were two people. None of them could do anything. 
And when the time came and the pastor mentioned it, they were carried. And they couldn't say anything at all. And then we went to the cemetery together. And they were laid under the ground. And they couldn't say anything at all. And then we covered it. And they still couldn't say anything. Spiritually dead people cannot do anything. Yet Jesus is able to raise them from the dead. How do we know that? Because he was raised from the dead himself. Even so. Even so. Jesus is able to save. And listen to Saul. Listen to Saul. Verse 5. And he said, Who are you, Lord? So Ananias departed, verse 17, and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me to you so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you. The Lord Jesus had time to appear to his enemy. Somebody who wanted to destroy the church and at every point wanted to raise arguments just to put the Christians not only down, but also in prison. My friends, we haven't even begun to understand and to see into the heart and the breath and the depth of the love of God in Jesus. We haven't been able to. Because sometimes when people have stood against the church, not just Redeemer City Church, the body of Christ, and they are saying things on radio, and they are saying things on TV, and they are going for us, and they are trying to destroy, and all kinds of things, somehow we begin to hope that Jesus will show them where power lives. But this king, this Jesus, appears, and he has time to have a conversation with Paul. I think he should have just destroyed him on the road to Damascus. But he doesn't. He saves him, his enemy. And then listen to another thing that Jesus does, which is incredible. Let me read again verse 5 to verse 6. And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. He's building up something. Verse 15. But the Lord said to him, to um, Ananias, Go, for Saul, he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Not only does Jesus rescue Saul, he commissions Saul. He invites Saul into his mission. Now, how do we know this? Don't always take your eyes off what the Lord is doing in Acts. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, But you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And here... Jesus is inviting Paul. He is actually commanding Paul. He is letting him in. And this is a privilege. Privilege opportunity. He gets Paul into it. Paul didn't apply for it. The fact that he referred to Jesus as Lord, he has plans 
for his life. He is going to be my ambassador. And so Ananias, I, I suppose this is an older brother in the Lord, is sent to go and confirm and affirm Paul. So, in what the Lord had indeed done. Paul's conversion, my friends, is not about Paul primarily. It is about Jesus. When you read it, be amazed at this Jesus. Now, in many ways, this particular incident that happened is unique. Now, does that mean that um, the Lord may not have somebody have some incredible, spectacular conversion? Well, the Lord can. He can do that. But you've got to realize that over here, there is something happening in history that is so unique. This man, Paul, Saul, who is going to become Paul, to whom the Lord has appeared, like the way he appeared to the rest of the apostles, and commissioned them, is going to be used so uniquely that all of us are going to benefit from it across history. We are going to have a large section of the New Testament by the Holy Spirit through this man. What Paul wrote, Jesus says. It is Jesus who calls him. It is Jesus who commissions him. We cannot love Jesus' words but not love Paul's words. Paul is commissioned by him. And we are beneficiaries of that. So there is something happening here that is so incredible that is going to, the ripple effect is going to be felt across history until Jesus comes. This thing that Jesus himself does here with Paul. But the, the primary thing, as I have repeated and repeated, is we have been invited by Luke to see Jesus. Don't see so much of Saul. Paul, see Jesus and Jesus' act. See the fact that Jesus even chose to save Paul so that a chunk of the New Testament, Paul didn't know this. Paul didn't know that he is going to be an apostle who is going to write all these letters to all these churches and millennia, thousands of years after, we are going to have it as a part of what the Holy Spirit has given to the church at all times. The scriptures the word of God recorded for us. And so what are we to make of this? If you are a non-Christian here, if you, I don't mean if you don't go to church, so listen to me very carefully. If you cannot say what Paul said to Jesus, who are you, Lord? Lord, if Jesus is truly not your Lord, I don't mean that you don't sing Christian songs. I don't mean you don't even have a membership of a church. A lot of us have membership in churches. Even those of you who are visiting are visiting, I suppose, from some other church. But you don't know Jesus. And maybe you have examined your heart. You know yourself in the secrecy of all secrets. And somehow you know that you are beyond forgiveness. And so you are trying hard to play the religion in order to please the Lord. You're trying hard, but it is not going well. I have good news for you. The good news is that if you see Jesus in Acts 9, you are not beyond his reach. 
It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how far you have gone. It doesn't matter even you, if you have declared him non-existent. You call yourself an atheist. You are still loved by him and you are not beyond his reach. And he is capable of setting time aside for you, if I may put it that way. With all the governing of the universe and with all the looking after his church, he set aside time, if we we'll put it in the human human picture. He sets a time at a side time and gets on the Damascus road and engages an enemy. You are not beyond Jesus' reach. In fact, he is here even as I preach for you. Who are you, Lord? His answer is, I am Jesus. I am the Savior. So that is one. Number two, for those of you who are Christians, for those of us who are trusting in Jesus and taking him at his word, be careful not to take the judgment seat of deciding that this person is closer to salvation and this person is not because you are focusing so much on their present state. You are looking at what is happening. You are looking at their stubbornness after all these years of praying for them and somehow you are almost judging and ruling them out. Let me ask you, who have you been praying for all these years that they will come to know Jesus? Your business is not to determine when and how they come to the Lord. Your business is to persevere in praying and take every opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. And may it please the Lord in his own time that they come to faith in Jesus and repent. Don't take up that position. Let me not take that position. It happens to us all the time. There are particularly two people in my family that I've been praying for. Praying for for years. In fact, sometimes I get angry at them. And I say this in tree. For those of you who don't understand tree, I will try to translate. What else do you want us to do for you? What else do you want us to say to you? And sometimes the temptation to begin to, especially for people who are closer, to manipulate them into believing. We want to see signs of life or of religiosity. My brothers and sisters, that's not your business. Yours is to persevere in prayer. Yours is to call upon the name of the one who can love his enemies. Yours is to hope that you will have opportunities or somebody will have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And leave it for the Lord Jesus. So let's watch out for that kind of temptation. Ruling out people who look like this man. Now I've said this already, but let me repeat. Look at verse, verse 15, chapter 9, verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel. Did you get that? Did you get that? When he saved Paul on the road to Damascus, he says that he is his chosen instrument. You know what instruments are used for? We want to produce good sound, so we use instruments. And we hit them, and they give us the sound. We want to farm, 
we use instruments, we use equipment. For those of us, for those of you who are into woodwork, you use equipment to get things done. Saul is going to be an instrument in the hands of Jesus. And look at where he's going to be the instrument. Before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. When the Lord was saving Saul, please hear this. He had us, Gentiles, in mind. You see why this is so amazing? When Jesus descended and appeared to this man and spoke to him, and Jesus' appearance dazzled him and blinded him and commissioned him, he had me in mind. He had you in mind. He had us, Gentiles, non-Jews, in mind. Yes, he had the Jews in mind. He had the kings and the important people that he will be meeting in mind. But he had the Gentiles in mind. And today, praise be to the God who saved Paul. Again, we have this. <laughs> Do you know why I have the Bible in my hand? Well, I know it's, it's not only Paul who wrote uh, the Bible. There are many other authors, but of course, the Holy Spirit is the one supreme author. But the point is that when he saved him, the Gentiles were in Jesus' mind. He had his ministry strategy and his ministry plan. And whatever he was going to accomplish, he had us in mind. Finally, number four. It's related to number two. But number four is this. Please, my friends, may the Lord help us renew your confidence by the grace of God in Jesus' power to save and to save even his enemies. I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to renew our confidence in Jesus. Now, we are, we are seeking to focus on evangelism. If you are not careful, you come under such a burden that anybody you speak to, you are looking, if the person didn't raise their hand and the person didn't please you by saying, yes, I give my life to Christ and follow you in those words, somehow, if you meet a person who says to you, no, you feel shattered. But take the attention off yourself and fix that attention on Jesus. He has the power. And it's not so much what he will do. The problem is usually us to renew our confidence in his power to save even his enemies. Now get a picture again. On the road to Damascus, imagine this is a highway. Imagine this is the motorway of today. Our motorway. And somehow, Paul is traveling with his guys. Maybe they were on horses. So today, maybe they were in V8. Toyota Land Cruiser V8 <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. And then the Lord Jesus descends and blocks the road. He blocks the road. No one is passing. Because he has an assignment to do. He has something he wanted to accomplish in a man. Who is going to be his man. Even the men who were with Saul. I suppose they have swords and they have things. And they were ready. And they were hardcore guys like Saul himself. They couldn't do anything. We are told that they had a voice. But they couldn't see anything. They themselves were speechless. 
the power of the risen Jesus is displayed here. He stops every movement. And then he accomplishes what he wants to accomplish. And gives an instruction for what should be done next. My hope is that, for me, as I pray through this this morning for myself, that somehow I will begin to see Jesus in a fresh light. Especially when it comes to evangelism. We are dealing with the risen Lord who is all-powerful. He can block the whole highway, the whole motorway, and deal with people, and then he carries on, and nobody can question him. May the Lord bless his word. May the Lord refocus our attention to see Jesus more and better in the commission he's given to his church. Let's pray. Our Father, we, we praise you for the risen Lord Jesus. In fact, we want to take our time to say, Lord, thank you for saving Saul, Paul. Thank you for the instruction Jesus gave him. Thank you for all that you took, you took him through. Thank you for the letters he wrote. Thank you for the sermons he preached. Thank you for the sufferings he endured. And they do not reveal so much of him than they reveal of his Lord who called him the Lord Jesus. And we pray that Lord you help us to be able to see this Jesus who is also at work today and in our time drawing people to himself that they might refer to him as Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.